The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. So I began thinking about the, 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 the few times that uh, I had a friend of mine who took me uh, surfing. And, uh, you know, you think of all the ballet lessons I had, I would be much more coordinated, but no. And um, so he, uh, we were trying to do the stand on the board thing and all the exercises on the beach, you know, trying to you know, leap up and stand. And, and, you know, that wasn't working. So he said, okay, um, let's just try bodyboarding. So I uh, so went out on a, caught a wave and it was so exhilarating to feel that rush of water and, and you know, push you. It was just really just amazing. And I said, oh, I get it. Now I know why people do this. I never want to do it again, but I understand why people enjoy this so much. And I recall the reason why I said I never want to do this again is that I, I, I did not follow the one rule he told me to not do. I, I got out of the water all excited like a goofy kid, you know, and I stood up and I had the board sideways to me and I turned uh, parallel to the wave, to the water, which some of you who surf, you know what happens. When the wave crashes, it hits you, it just... I mean, I was immediately in the ground, just, and I had this football-sized bruise as a reminder of the event for quite a while. I thought, okay, I can no long, I'm no longer a poser. I could dress like I was a surfer because I did it once, you know. <laughs> but I really, really enjoying the, just the thrill of that, and, 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 and I, I'm not an outdoors kind of person. Some of you have probably picked up on that. I, you know, I, I enjoy being indoors. I enjoy that clinical, white wall, stainless steel environment. I could live in a hospital. I really I love the smell of pine saw. Not pine, but pine saw. <laughs> and I understand why people enjoy nature. I just don't want to live among it. You know, I, I don't mind driving through it, seeing photos of it. Just don't want to be in it. And yet, there's a, there's a pleasure I do see in watching things about nature and uh, seeing the slow motion of, of, of a horse and watching its muscles as it's rippling through its body and gallop, or a lion, uh, just viewing all sorts of parts of animal life or hills or hiking and rivers and people that tell me about their experiences with God and nature or they're just their experience with nature, period, whether they like to fish or they, you know, walking and sitting in moments of solitude out of it. And I think how amazing that God is that he just made that for our pleasure. It just, just decorated the world the way it was decorated because it could have been very practical, but instead he made it extremely beautiful for us to enjoy. And I thought about how good God is that he does all of that for our pleasure, even to the point of, of how many of you have a pet? Okay, the ones of you who have a cat, you can put your hands down, they don't count. Uh, no, I... I <laughs> No, I, I, I like cats. I really do. With the right sauce and prepared correctly, they are, they are so good, really. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Uh, okay, <laughs> one cat person. We lost him. At any rate, um, her, probably. Um, well, I mean, most, it's, most women have cats, right? It's not a guy thing. Uh, but I, did ha- I had a customer once. Wow, that's, I thought it was odd. Uh, he, was, he had cats. I mean, he had cat figurines, cat stuff. And on his wallpaper on his computer was, was his cats. I oh, well, this is a first for me. I'd never seen that. And it was, betwixt you and me, a, a cry for help. <laughs> so I'm surprised how God gives us all these wonderful things. And this is, by the way, this is at 5.30 in the morning. You know, I, I, this is just going through my head as I... Uh, driving over to Starbucks to, you know, get my thinking juice in me and uh, get ready for the day. Let's go to Psalm 146 for just a moment. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. 
On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose help is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. You know, when I think back at people that I respected and people who, uh, who spoke into my life, people who had charge over my life, there are, there are a couple of people that stand out primarily because, well, well, there's a few people that stand out primarily because they crashed and burned in their own lives. And now, you know, hitting, wow, we'll be 52 this year, my wife and I, hitting that age, recognizing that some of these men were younger than me when they had charge over me, I have a little bit more, uh, I guess, compassion and pity for what they pops perhaps we're processing. Uh, the first person that comes to my mind was, was Father Zeman. He was a great priest. He was a good friend. He took uh, a special interest in all the uh, altar boys. He was, his, he was the only guy that had, did not have gray hair, and he had hair. And he took us to the beach, and he, would, he was just a great guy. I mean, I had a wonderful, positive experience as an altar boy in, in the Roman Catholic tradition. Years later, I, w- I went to go look him up. <clears throat> I was in my, I think, late 30s, early 40s, and uh, just to thank him for the input and the impact in my life. And uh, I found out that he had been transferred to a city where my family's from in Mexico. And as fate would have it, we were going to vacation. That, well, actually, Mexicans don't vacation in Mexico. You go when someone's dying, right? Okay, right, that's when you go to Mexico. Tío está mal, vamos a México. So we were going to visit somebody who was passing away or sick or something. And so we go down there, and at, again, the parish was down the corner from my Theo Marmando's house. So I go, you know, trotting over there, like this for some reason I was walking. Because <laughs> I turned into a robot in Mexico. And uh, <laughs> the federales stopped me. Oye, gringo, que vas? And uh, so, so I... <laughs> I do a comedy set at the improv. I'm just, I'm trying out my jokes here. And I, I, I asked for Father Zeman. He wasn't there. And I got back. I didn't really get much of an answer. When I came back to the States, I came back to look him up further. I found out that he had, uh, he had a total mental uh, meltdown. And he was in a home for people who needed care for themselves. And I thought, wow, I wonder, you know, what happened? What happened to this guy? What happened to this man? I, I never really found out the answer, but I, you know, I, I, I just remembered him in his moment of, of, of youth and in strength and in caring and, and in loving us and, and praying for us and encouraging us. And, you know, we were, if any of you have ever had to be responsible for young boys in, the, in elementary school, you know how goofy we are, right? So, I mean, the fact that he put up with us was, was amazing. Then I thought about a, a high school teacher that, that used to invest in my life. He would, he would talk and I, I thought he was really a good guy. You know, I have to say, I really think he was. I think he meant well, but he had his own brokenness to deal with. This is the man that introduced me to pornography as a young boy in high, in high school. We had a, a health fair that we were doing. He was a health instructor, and I did a lot of his research for him for his, his, master's, doctorate, his master's work. And, and uh, you know, he just uh, thought it was a good idea to go to a theater out there in Ventura where it was, nobody would be known. I just didn't have the courage to say, no, I didn't want to go, and I'm half hoping they would card me, and they didn't, and... You know, there it was. And I remember thinking, why would he do this? Why would he expose me to this? What was he thinking? Or what am I thinking? You know, it, it was just a very awkward moment, and it just shifted the dynamic of our friendship. And to this day, though I have good memories of what he did try to do for me, there's still that thing that colors everything else. Then, of course, as, as uh, Dan and I have often talked about our fathers and uh, Dave and others, who, how the impact that our fathers have in our life, right? Good and bad. 
whether you're a woman or a man, it, it, you're still going to have daddy issues almost the rest, of, almost your entire life. That's just how it is. And so the the role and the uh, the weight of being the father to somebody is sometimes can be, I guess, overwhelming for a lot of men. And for most of us who are dads, you know, we, we try to pretend we know what we're doing, but sometimes we just don't. You know, we're trying to do the right thing. We, we love you guys, but sometimes we just we are working through our own mess. And my father was one of those men who. Um, I, I think it, there was a time where I thought that everything that I did wrong or what, was, or what was unhealthy about my life, I could see in my father. And so there was, there was this part of this, I think some of the self-loathing then transferred that guilt transference thing over to my dad, and so I hated him for who he was and making me who I was. And then I began to shift as, as I got older and able to process all that and able to actually forgive and no longer have memories with, with emotion attached to them that I began to see him completely different. It was surprising that a lot of what he did, <clears throat> who he was, remembering his nicknames, and that he was considered the friendly guy in Mexico. I thought, huh. And, he, and that he couldn't, he was always, uh, always touching people when he was affectionate. Uh, huh, that's funny. He's a tall, thin guy, big nose, big ears. Huh, that's funny. I thought, you know, there was so much that we had in common. And I thought, I inherit everything, the DNA of what's good and what's bad. But there were times, as some of you in your lives, there were people who should have had charge over you that failed and dropped. And this is what I care about, why I care about God. Especially because he fills in the gaps. The phrase that he's the father to the fatherless and the father to orphans and the father to widows, a husband to widows, it seems like he fills in the gap that, that's sometimes missing in our lives. The um, movies like Jerry Maguire and others that give this impression that there's another human being that's going to fill in those gaps for you, they really have deceived us. Well-intentioned, but they just do. There's nobody that completes you. There's no mere mortal that completes you. That's an impossible task because you're not built just for mortality. You're built for immortality. And it is the infinite that fills us, not another human being. Another human being makes it richer at times. And, you know, we just got finished with the holidays and, you know, some of you had to go back home and you remembered why you left in the first place. And uh, the holidays have a way of reminding us what's wrong with our families, right? In fact, the holidays really only expose your family. If you have great family stuff, I mean, you know, it's fun to be around the family, right? Holidays make it funner. If, if it's so-so, holidays make it weird and awkward. And if it's bad, it, they're just painful. Holidays only seem to magnify your, your human uh, relationships with your family. And so one thing I was able to thank God for is I was thinking about all of this going on in my head was that how he makes everything wonderful and beautiful, but also how he also fills in the gaps for my life. Because people well, absolutely, even the best, even with the best intentions, they're, they're going to drop the ball. So for those of you who are kids or you still live under your parents' responsibility, you know, like I've said before, we loved you. We tried to do the right thing, but we're human. And for those of you who are married in different relationships, you know, people are not always going to be what you want when you want them to be. Sometimes they'll just flat out let you down. It's not that we don't want to. It's just that we're just incapable. We can't all the time. And there's never been a time, now I want you to be very clear about this, especially for those of you who are maybe processing and thinking about, is spirituality, is this God thing maybe for me? Here's what I'll tell you, and I think anyone who's been a, a student or a follower of Christ for a while would say the same thing. There's never been a time I could say to God, wow, you really, you really kind of dropped the ball there. I'm surprised. I've read so much about you too. There was never a time I thought he messed up or 
had the right intention, but the wrong execution. There was never a time I've ever thought, I should not have completely trusted you. I was a fool for trusting you. I tell you what I have seen, though. It appears that God is always almost late. Right? Apparently, in eternity, he's got no watch. And he doesn't appreciate my sense of urgency. (laughs) Okay, so it's not just me. But the moments that are driving us to places that we are malleable enough to be shaped by his kindness and by his love and forgiveness have been worth the wait. I would not have traded any of those experiences, even the moments of doubting him and the loneliness, for anything else but him. Which leads me to the next part of this particular psalm. He upholds the cause of the, of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The, prisoner, the, the Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner, sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Ever been that person or had those moments where you thought something was missing? Right? You just, you know, you wake up, things are not really bad. They just, they just don't feel good. Um, you wake up with it. You go to bed with it, and in moments when you're not occupied by the radio or work, it, it comes back haunting. It's almost like the, well, it's like a 1940s mummy movie. Um, you remember the mummy in, in the movies, right? The, the young damsel is running, I mean, like full-on sprint. But the second she falls, he's five feet behind her. I always wonder, wow, was he on a Vespa when they're not on, off camera? <laughs> little flapping of the, of the rags, you know, because he's... And then as soon as she falls, he gets off, you know, because he doesn't want to know he rides a Vespa. I've watched way too many movies, I know. I know, I know. And I, what I mean is that you, you try to outrun that thing. You've tried to anesthetize it. You've tried to ignore it. You've tried to suppress it. You've tried to do everything to ignore that thing that keeps sort of hounding you, following you, chasing you, but you feel it. In moments, especially when you go to sleep, you can't even turn off that thought. You know something's missing. And it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a follower of Christ. You could be outside of community. You could be just considering a spiritual conversation with God as you understand him to be, and you just sense that something is missing. You feel it, when, especially if you are doing the right things. I'm a good wife. I'm a good husband. I pay my taxes. I come home. I go to church. I read my Bible. Shouldn't I sense that everything's okay? And this is where, again, I begin to think of how, um, how kind that God is that he's always faithful to us in the midst of even those moments of confusion or moments of something's missing. You know what God does? He, he, um, he just gives the soul what's right. I used to be that man, that person that would, that would try to logically, intellectually, irrationally position Christ for people. I, I can tell you, I don't think I had any success with anybody. And usually the conversation ended with the polite, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But now I've gone to the default mode, which is what spirit gives life and causes your soul to thrive? 
And I'm confident that the God who's in heaven, who cares for us, that made creation, made all, everything for our pleasure, made us to enjoy him and enjoy life and enjoy each other, that he speaks to people. And so I'm confident enough to tell somebody who's just processing God and Christ and Christianity, is this possible for me? Is is there something there for me? I always encourage him, go talk to God, however you want to talk to him. Ask him, are you there and what is your name? And he will answer you. But you know, here's the thing that's funny about that. Have, have you, any of you ever been afraid of something? I mean, like you, you momentarily knees buckled half a you, you felt that in your stomach? I'm just curious. Uh, just shout it out, which one, which, what it is that made you scared? I mean, like you were like, you froze in fear. Spiders? Women? Really? <laughs> okay, I'm, 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 I'm connecting dots with the spider and the women thing, but I'm, I'm going to let it go. Uh, <laughs> What else? Anything? What's frightened you guys? Deceased relatives. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Get that. Anything else? Oh, dude. I lost, uh, I lost our oldest son for like a half hour in a mall when he was uh, seven and still cute. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, I, I think Lilia was carrying, I think you were carrying Christina, right? And when I mean carrying, I mean inside the belly. And uh, I had, well, I think I've shortened my lifespan a couple years. That We lost Christina up here in Uptown when she was about three or four. We once left her at the house. We drove to a restaurant. We, uh, we're not going to be giving parenting classes, though. Any, anybody, anything else that's paralyzing fear, or you're, just, you're momentarily, like, physically reacting to it? Snakes? Mine is heights. I was lying in bed last night, allowing my mind to wander, and I thought, i got to get past this height thing. I, I need to go bungee jumping just to get pushed through it. Even if I make a mess of myself all the way down, at least I can say... I did it in all of my embarrassment. But I began to imagine, maybe if I went to a hotel that allowed you to climb out on the balcony, I could hold on, and, and I actually experienced vertigo, where I was just in my stomach and on my knees, and it momentarily began to break out in sweat on my legs. That's how afraid I am. This is why I don't wear boots, because it's just the height. What's not so funny is those moments when you know you're so damaged, you can't break through any of your things that you want to break through. That's all of a sudden now, it's not so funny. And then I, I can thank God for knowing that he's given me freedom from issues that I was just thought I would always be bound by. Moments of wild, unexpected, violent temper. Moments of such anger and bitterness towards my family. I just thought, I'm that guy. I will never not be this guy. And even when I thought of moments that I could be free from that, it frightened me to think, well, then who would I become? And this is why I brought up the whole fear thing, because even though I was encouraged to trust God to make those changes, I was afraid of him. Because he just seemed so big. It seemed so huge. It seemed like such a, a huge thing to cross over. Until I realized that he was willing to come to where I was. And I lived off that, when that broke in my life, I lived off that high for months. I mean, I was excited like a goofy junior high school boy that had just been kissed. Just totally wild about what he had done and thankful. And so I see God creating this wonderful thing for us and, and doing all these marvelous things in our life, but then he takes it deeper and says, oh, I'm going to set you free here too. I'm going to feed what, what thrives, get, feed your soul what will cause you to thrive and live. And so over and over again, he demonstrates his kindness to me, his kindness to us, his love for us, his faithfulness to us. 
even when, you know, let's face it, we're not that faithful to him. In fact, uh, like I told you before, I feel like I'm, I'm like that one dog, that one pet we had. She so loved us. We so loved her. I, th- I thought we had a good thing going on. But that moment that door was open, she was out, gone. I mean, she knew how to pick locks. She was like a little ninja dog. I mean, it was just amazing. <laughs> and sometimes I feel that weirdness in my own soul. I mean, I know who loves me, but I feel the tug to want to pull away as if there was something better. It's silly. It's tragic. And then he helped me to see, uh, freed me from past pain. He freed me from, you know, from other harmful habits and darkness that I experienced and, and just helped me to see what I was doing to myself and to others. And, you know, I, I've discovered over and over again that most people know what they're doing wrong. They don't need that to be pointed out to them. As a matter of fact, I've come to the conclusion most folks are, can, are already feel bad about what they are, what they do. What they don't see sometimes because of their own pain and sickness is how they're harming others. Forget what they do to God. Forget what they do to maybe family. In fact, what they, when they see what they do to family, it makes them hurt more, and so they try to anesthetize of other darkness. <clears throat> but when they see what they do to others, sometimes that, I mean, uh, to others, sometimes that, that's what helps them kind of, you know, break out of what, where they are. And so I appreciated God for giving just sight, understanding, let's say, let's put it to you that way. Understanding. Because sometimes the messes seem to be so tangled up, the knots so tight, I didn't, I, I could, didn't even know where to, how to untie them. Have you been there? I mean, you're in the midst of something, you're not even sure how to, how to begin to unwrap. You want to, you're just not even sure how. And who can you trust to help you with those messes? And so God comes into the picture and begins to unwrap it and explain where you are, where I'm at, and how he cares and how he's going to heal. When embarrassed, he encourages us. When I felt like an outsider, he welcomes us. And he fills in all the gaps left by absent and damaged fathers. He's just the God that causes me to thank. And so this is why I can tell folks when they're not certain about, yes, this is for me or not, I always know that even if they're asking if this is for me or not, they know that something's missing. See, the fact that you're here, especially if you're here and you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, you know something's missing. And you're wondering and hoping that this will be the thing that you need. And it is. The... um, I'll take you back to junior high school for just a moment. How many of you can how many of you can still remember junior high school? Yeah. How many of you would actually say, I had a great junior high school experience? <laughs> okay, so you were the bomb from Saigon back in the day, right? All right. Uh, see, I, I, I did not have, I, and most of us don't. You know what's funny? I was speaking to a friend who mentioned that she had to chaperone a junior high school dance. And I always think, there's no such thing as a junior high school dance. It's a junior high school stand, right? All the, all the little girls on one side of the wall and all the boys on this side of the wall, right? That's a junior high school stand. And, uh, and then in between is the Green Mile or the Walk of Shame. For me, I have activator as a talent, which means I, take to, I, 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 wanna, you know, I tend to, to move into action quickly. In fact, my wife said, oh, I, I love it that you make decisions so quickly. I wish you had all the facts first, but the fact that you were willing to make a decision <laughs> is amazing to me. So uh, after splashing on uh, in, in inappropriate amounts of skin bracer um, 
over a stenchy junior. No, I never smelled bad as a kid because I was just, you know, weirdly clean. But I did put on too much brood or whatever it was back in the day. I did the uh, Green Mile walk to ask this girl to dance. Like, music's playing, everything's going on, you know. And I asked her, oh, would you like to dance? And then she said, no. <laughs> I'm over it. It's okay. <laughs> but there I am. And see, the music was bumping and, you know, whatever it was. I don't know. The, the, the Night Chicago Died or something. Some of you remember that song. See, so, yeah, somebody... And I had my best polyester plaid pants, and you know, I was like, how could she say no to this? I got game going on. And, and so she said no, and it was like the, everybody turned, whoosh, and the musicians stopped playing. And it was like, the, uh, <clears throat> like that painting of the angels that suck in their breath. <gasps> you know, and, it was, it was, and I had, then I had the walk of shame back, you know. <laughs> However, the story has a happy ending. Because Avery Ortiz walked the Green Mile. And I loved Avery Ortiz. I mean, this is the kid that told me I look good in light blue, and I thought forever, I, oh, you know how you can live off one compliment forever? Right? Some, some goofy, pimply kid, buck tooth with braces, says, you look good in light blue. And, uh, and then you think, forever. I, I still do that. I go to a store, I, oh, light blue. I look good in light blue. No, I haven't seen Avery since then, but back then, you know, I thought she was a, all that in a bag of chips, and I love chips, so it was, you know, so she walked over, two pathetic creatures, she walks over and says, do you want to dance? And I said, yeah, so I had a great time dancing. I think she might have given me a kiss on the cheek, I don't remember, because it was, you know, again, it's junior high school. Uh, I walked out of there thinking I was the bomb from Saigon. I mean, I, I knew I had tested positive for GAME. I was everything. I lived off that all the way home. I, you know what? My hair looked shinier. Because this is when it was still longish, back when you were supposed to have that, you know, and, I, and, and it kind of gets wavy, so I did that. It, you know, honestly, walking and seeing the reflection in my mirror, I thought, does my hair look better? What have I done? My skin cleared up, my teeth straightened. It was amazing. The power of love. <laughs> it was so energized, and I was so excited. And when I think back, what kind of goofy, idiotic, silly, retarded grin I must have had on my face because of Avery Ortiz. So I said that to say all this, that, uh, that sometimes this is what it's like for me to be in love with Christ. I, I love everything about the church. I love those things that have gone well, and I realize things that we do wrong. I love what I get to do, and I love people that are part of this community, and I love people who are not part of the community. I'm just that guy. And, um, but the reason is, is because God has asked me to dance and join a sacred romance with him. He actually walked a walk of shame to ask me, which he's done for all of you. He's done for you. He's done for you. And so he reaches out, not in a you know, you guys are bad. I need you to get right. Because, see, most of us know that, correct? We, there's no confusion about that. We just think nobody will ask us to dance. And he does. And so for that reason, let me read this final psalm to you to close off this entire series of why I'm so excited about what we get to do here. Psalm 150. Praise God in his sanctuary. 
praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And just in case you didn't hear me, praise the Lord. This was a guy who had been asked to dance and he was excited about life. And he had this confidence that no matter what goes on, I'm loved by God. And so this is my prayer for you guys this morning. Hey, join me in a moment of that prayer, would you? Father, thank you so, so much for uh, crossing the gap and inviting us with your hand of kindness into relationship and romance with you, a sacred romance, a sacred rhythm of moving with you and experiencing your pleasure and love. Now I ask you to help us to be courageous enough to allow your love to heal us as well. Forgive us of our crimes. Forgive us of our intentional acts of darkness. I thank you that you have pity on us because you remember that we're just made of dust. Thank you that you're a good father. You're a kind father. And you're a father with the ability to heal, fill in the gaps, smooth out what's wrinkled, and breathe life into what's been dead. Thank you for hope, for music, for food, for dance, for friendships. Thank you for our jobs, for our bodies, our health. Thank you for the sea, the ocean, for airplanes, for mountains, for streams, for trees. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for creating this world and allowing us to be creative agents in it to increase and expand your beauty and your goodness. Thank you. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.